0: We thought we'd mix it up a little bit. So instead of preaching, we just kind of just share. We still want to continue looking at this theme, One Big Family, Finding Place and Purpose Together. And on that slide, I think that we have there uh, just different, uh, you see those words that are up there? For us really to find our place, sometimes as a pastor, I would just share this. Many people in churches today that they do not, they're not able to enter into their place because they really don't know their identity in Christ. They really don't know who they are. Let me just choose a couple of these if I can. Um, The Bible says that we're saved, we're saved. If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. saved. For with my mouth confession is made into salvation, and with my heart man believes into righteousness. So if God's word says, I'm saved because of my declaration in what he has done for me in Christ, if God says I'm saved, then guess what? I'm saved. And you're saved. You're saved. Yet sometimes the devil will come and he'll lie to us. You're not saved. You're not saved. But God's word says just the opposite. The scripture says that we're new creations. Ken came up here a while ago and he shared Ken's not the same person that he once used to be. God saved him. God's made him to be a new creation. Lorette was sharing in our Sunday school class. Most of you know, before I became a Christian, I used to uh, smuggle drugs from Mexico. And I would exchange some of the marijuana in Mexico for uh, 100 hits of acid. I'd exchange one pound of marijuana for 100 hits of LSD. And I was going to put that LSD in the University of Texas water system. Because I really thought that if everybody got high, that that's what would make the world come together. I wasn't saved. But aren't you glad that I'm saved? (laughs) Aren't you glad that I'm a new creation in Christ? And so God's word says, if anybody is in Christ, they are what? New creation. So you're not what you once used to be. You're not lost. You're saved. You're not crazy. Now we have the mind of the Lord. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. The Bible talks about the same chapter, 2 Corinthians 5. The Bible says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so then positionally, as we stand before the Lord, I'm not a bunch of junk. I'm not just, you know... Even though in my humanity, I fall short, I understand that. But positionally, I'm glad I'm accepted in the beloved, aren't you? And so we need to recognize for us to find our place, we need to remember our identity. Uh, We could talk about the Bible says the very last one, we have been adopted into the beloved. And so you're adopted into new families. But here, let me just share two things before I turn it over to Lorette two very simple truths when you look biblically at this and i picked this up from by, from one of the puritans this is who god says we are think about that this is who god says you are god says that you're a chosen generation that you're a royal priesthood that you're a holy nation that you're purchased or possessed people. King James says it's peculiar, but the Greek word there really just means uh, a possessed people, or someone that belongs to something else. We're saved, we're salt, we're life, we're in a creation, we're the righteousness of God, we're overcomers, we're loved children, we've been adopted into the beloved. And if this is what God says we are, then guess what? We are. We are. We are. We used to sing the song, Mary Brighton, you might know. It's an old song, old song years ago. Most of you probably don't know, but it goes something like this. If the Lord says I'm a blessing, then I am. If the Lord says I am salt, then I am. If the Lord says I am more than a conqueror in this world, if the Lord says that I am... Well, then I am. And for us to understand our place, we need to remember this is what God says we are. That we're his children, that we've been adopted, that he gives us the power to overcome, that we're the righteousness of God in Christ, that he's made us new beings, that we're the light of the world, we're the salt of the earth, that we're saved, that he's purchased us, that we become part of his family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And what a wonderful truth there is therein.
1: What does it mean, one big family finding place and purpose together? Pastor Ted said, finding our place includes knowing our identity, Um, knowing who am I in God's eyes. And I think we can even hear Pastor Ted go through a list and and read those things and we can say, oh, and in 2 Corinthians it says this, blah, 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 and we can know it in our head and we can quote it even to ourselves, but unless we know it in our hearts and we say, yeah, that actually is who I am. That's right, that's right then it's not gonna make a difference. It's just words that we're saying. Um, But for us to know our place, to find our place in the body of Christ is to find our place as a son or a daughter of the Most High. To find our place in in who God says that we are and who God sees us as. Do we see ourselves in the same way that He sees us? Or at least because we know we have uh, some other things fighting against us, right? We may not always see ourselves that way, but do we recognize and understand that is how he sees us? That is who I am. That is my place, is I'm a child of God. And unless we really can sit in that and say, yeah, that's me, that's me, we're not gonna um, move forward in the rest of our place. And when when we have... um, we're talking about this. We're kind of discussing what does it mean? Why is this our theme for the year? Finding place and purpose together, one big family. We found that place has three different parts. So that, that's that first one, our identity. Who am I in God's eyes? That's the vertical aspect of place. But there's, there's two more aspects. And the second one is horizontal. Kevin, hit that next slide. <clears throat> the next one is the horizontal aspect of place, and that really encompasses our relationships with people in the body of Christ, our relationships. Who am I? Go back to that other slide, Kevin. It's one more slide. Identity, relationships, and passion. So the, the horizontal really hinges all on relationships. Who am I in God's family? So there's who am I in God's eyes, but then who am I in his family? Do I see myself as a sibling or a parent or a child, a friend to someone that's sitting down the row from me in this very room? Who am I in God's family? Um, When we're talking about finding our place together, intentionality is the biggest, most important word that we can remember. I wrote down a few little things that are sometimes even a challenge to me. Man, how can we be intentional in in our relationships in this body of Christ? Change seats. Maybe move literally one seat closer to the person next to you in the row. Something so small as a physical movement can create more um, opportunities to share in relationship with somebody next to you. Um, How about inviting someone over for dinner after church to learn their story? Doesn't have to be expensive, right? How about just giving somebody a hug? Some people hate hugs, so ask first. What about sending a text of encouragement? Something I really dislike, the term do life together, have you heard that before, doing life together? But there's really no other way to put it. Offer to help out with a household task or an errand. I know one of my favorite things to do with youth kids is to say, hey, you wanna come shopping with me? Grocery shopping for my own groceries, right? Or for something that we're doing, or um, go with me while I go to this other kid's basketball game. Um, It's just spending time together is what is going to bring us together and build relationships Invite someone to join you or invite yourself to join them, right? Maybe you know someone, maybe it's me, someone who's always, always busy. And you're like, when can we ever have time to hang out? I'm looking at Christiana because she says that to me. When do we have time to hang out? Maybe um, there's someone like that in your life that you can say, hey, let me come with you when you go do this, right? It's inserting yourself. It's being intentional. So there's the vertical there's the horizontal. Um, I think more than, I'm jumping ahead of myself, more than necessarily what can I do, it's making sure you know who, I, who you are in the family, who you are in the family. So like I said before, are you a parent? Are you a, a, stu- a, a child? Are you a sister brother? How can you be sure that, When someone looks at you in the church, they say, that's someone that I can look up to or that's someone that I can invest in or that's someone that I can blank. Are you someone that a younger person or a kid or a youth can look to and say, that's someone I could really see as like a spiritual parent in my life? Or your peer, that's someone that's really a sister or brother to me. They've been intentional with me. They've cared if I haven't been at church and they've sent me a message or they visited me. They sent me a card. This is someone that I really could look up to, right? If you see yourself, maybe I'm, I'm a child and I really need to come underneath someone who's an older saint and say, wow, yeah, that's a mother-father to me. Um, knowing our place is knowing who does God say that I am? And then who does he say that I am? Who am I in his body, in his family? Then the last thing, so we got vertical, right? Identity, we got horizontal relationships. And then we have passions. Because really to know your place is to know who God created you to be individually. As an individual, because we all know he's created us as his children. And to love other people. But how, how did he make you an individual that you can know your place? What has God put in your quiver? How has he equipped you and enabled you to serve? Has he made you an encourager, a giver, a protector, a teacher, a student, a worshiper, a helper? Has he made you sensitive to the feelings of others? Has he made you bold and outgoing? What are the things that God has equipped you with? What are your passions? Who has he made you to be? Um, Just to make this a little bit personal, I've always been drawn to the arts, right? Music, painting, um, drawing, designing, but also uh, to aesthetics, right? The way that a place um, or an event or something, an environment makes someone feel. Um, And some may not understand or think that that's not important, Uh, But to me, these are very important and shape the way that I live and I love. And I'm a creative. I know that the Lord gave me these passions to use for his kingdom in his body. Um, A few weeks ago on a snowy Sunday, we had an impromptu testimony day, right? Some of you were here, and that was really a beautiful Sunday if you were here. If you missed it, I'm sorry. Um, But some of you, you heard me share about the first time that I found my place um, as a worshiper and as a leader. Um, and I shared about how, uh, I was asked by leaders to step up and lead worship for a a meeting of multiple youth groups in the area. It was supposed to be a packed house, and I was just, like, terrified, didn't think that I was good enough. I wasn't believing in who, right in the vertical, that this is who God says that I am, I wasn't believing any of that. I wasn't seeing myself as someone in the horizontal that could really be a leader or be someone worthy enough to lead other people in worship. I was like 14, I think, maybe 13. Um, But my leaders, Lorette was one of them, um, encouraged me and really challenged me and said, hey, you're it, you're who we have. So we need you to step up and do this because we know God's given you the, the talent but you need to take hold of it. And, um, and I was surrounded by youth friends who prayed for me, encouraged me, spoke words of affirmation, and said, no, you can do it, like, and, and really prayed for me. And I remember going, the room right next door, just sobbing. Um, I don't want to do it, right? Um, but then when I, I was obedient, and I walked, and I took my first little step onto the stage right over here, and I felt like the Lord said right in my spirit, Hallelujah Stay so close to me that you hear my heart beat louder than yours. And I knew this isn't about me. The Holy Spirit's going to work through me. He's going to be the one that's speaking. Um, I, I said words to challenge the congregation of students that I knew were not my own words. And um, at that moment, I realized, man, God really he can use me. He didn't just give me a talent to sing because he wanted me to sing, but he wanted me to know my place as a worshiper and as a leader of, of people in worship. And um, and I just wanted to point this out of why I told the whole story. is because of that word together, finding our place together. Um, you may be the me in this story, right? You may be the one who has this passion and you don't know where God's wanting you to use it, but you know you have it. You may be the leaders in this story who are challengers, and you're calling that out in people, or you may be the peers who are encouragers, who are um, speaking words of life and, and helping along the way. What passions has the Lord filled you with that it's time to walk in? Are there people around you, even in this room, who you see God has equipped and filled with passions for different things, and it's time for you to be an encourager and help them discover, what is my place here? What is my place with the Lord? What is my place in this body? And what has God filled me with?
2: This is my place. So that's a question for each of us. What is your place? What is your place in this body? Um, I think it was on Tuesday, Corinne and Pastor Ted start talking about this service. And my answer on Tuesday was just the first thing that came to my mind, right? But after a while, when I thought about it, I thought, nah that's not really the answer. So I just um, encourage each of you, take the time and say, spend some time praying and saying, what is my place? Where is it that I belong? The first uh, answer I had was more of what is my passion. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But um, I would have to say this. What is my place? What is my place at Tri-County Worship Center? Uh, It could be teaching children. It could be teaching a ladies' Bible study. It could be cleaning up after an event. It could be planning an event. Okay? It could be decorating for Christmas or praying with someone. could be typing a letter, or helping with a life group. It could be this, it could be that, it could be baba down the line, right? Am I excited about all of my places at Tri-County? Probably not, truthfully, right? Sometimes we're asked to do things that maybe that's not exactly what we want to jump in and do, but, What is my place? My place, my answer to what is your place, my answer to that is my place is to do all that I can do within my abilities to make this the church that God wants it to be. So that's different for each of us. What is God calling you to do? What place is God calling you to that you can make this church the best that it can be? Where are you needed Maybe where you want it, but where you need it. Because when we all come together doing what God has called us to do, that is when we would have the body guide wants for us. But now I will say, so that's my place. My place is doing what's needed in this church to make it successful. What's my passion? (laughs) That's a little different, right? I would say my passion is to work with marriages and to work with women. You know, um, when, before Ken traveled a lot, um, I would say my passion was totally different. My passion was to support Ken when he ministered, to work beside him, to help teach with him, to help counsel couples with him, to help do what it was with him. But God's changed that since um, Ken has traveled a lot, and he has put more of a focus on what is your passion, and my passion is working with marriages and working with women. So there's things that you do within the church that you do because it, need, it needs to be done, but there's things that are exciting to do. And you know, I, I have to say this about the children's ministry. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I can admit it, all right? Probably one of the things I'm not all that excited about is teaching the children. That's just a fact, okay? But when I am with people and I see how excited they are and how much they say this is what we want for our kids, I'm just like inspired. Isn't that great that God gives us all different gifts? And when you have a passion for something, That is what God has called you to do. I remember a few years ago, um, I was talking to my daughter, and there were not just one situation here at church, but there were probably three or four different situations in families that were very, very difficult. It was overwhelming. I didn't tell her about the situations, but I said, "I, it's too much. I'm getting calls. I'm getting, you know, I have to be supportive. And and this is breaking my heart, what's going on in this one family. And it is just overwhelming. And my daughter said to me, Mom, you've got to find a different job. And I thought, I wonder if I do. But I thought about it for a moment and I thought, you know, Finding a different job wouldn't change that. What I needed was I needed some refreshment. I needed some time away from all the crisis situations so that I could be refreshed. And once that happened, I was right back at it. You know, for me to say, I'm going to take that part, that compassion, that desire that I have to help women, that desire I have to help see marriages succeed, I'm going to take that out of me That's an impossible thing to do, you know? I have uh, blonde hair. Okay, that's probably not a good example because the blonde hair I have is highlighted, okay? (laughs) I was going to say, just as much as my hair is blonde, you can't take that away, but I guess, you know, (laughs) nature has shown otherwise, right? Or old age or something. But just as much as my skin is fair, okay? I can't change that. And that's the same that I can't change the passions that I have, the desire that I have. And I will tell you this, sometimes I'm like, oh, God, do you really want me to do that? That's kind of a crazy idea. But I follow through and it works and I just see what a blessing it is. And I see people minister to. And you know, really truthfully, my heart is to see people within this church, people from out there come to know Jesus, to have a relationship with him, come to... to, get victory from all their stuff in the past, all the pain that they've gone through, but to come to a place where they say, I have seen God really work in my life and really work in my heart. And following that passion is something I would, never, I would never give up, whether I worked here or whatever I did in my life. That would be my passion. I want to see people to come to know the Lord. And I want to see them have victory in their lives. And if I can be a small part of that, What fulfillment it is. And how grateful I am to have that opportunity.
0: Just before you, uh, let me just say, what I heard you say, Lorette, a little bit was that I heard you say that, I think maybe you did too, that she was a servant. That she would do whatever was necessary. uh, What's the little expression? To get her done. And I heard you say that, Lorette, that you're a servant. And uh, I think that's a beautiful attitude always to have because what happens in a lot of churches is that we o- we only want to do the beautiful jobs you know if I can sing in front of the people if I can right. preach in front of the people but you ask somebody to, hey go take care of the nursery and change the poopies and the diapers that are all messy you know sometimes you know people may not necessarily be volunteering getting in a line for that So I heard you saying that you're a servant, and that's a beautiful thing because God calls us all to be servants. The apostle Paul said, I, Paul, the servant, and so constantly he mentioned that, but I also heard that God has done such a work in your heart that you really want to see men and women not just believe in him, but come to know him, and your heart is to disciple people, and that's the heart of the church it's just not to have people come to church, but Jesus said, "Make disciples yes. of people in the church." And so I thought that was just a, a great thought of what I heard you sharing. That Miss Crane, go ahead. And
1: that really brings us into the next part, which is finding purpose. Finding purpose. Um, if you have read any bit of the Bible, right, especially um, New Testament, you'll hear. Uh, The whole thing, really, right? It's all just a story of of how much God loves people and how much he wants us to understand and um, know that he is a holy God who is to be worshipped, but also he's our friend. He's our friend and he loves us. Um, And uh, there's the two greats, right? So you have the great commission, You have the greatest commandments. And I think when you think, oh, what is the purpose of a Christian? You think the greatest commandments. Uh, Matthew 22, uh, 36 through 40, the disciples are asking Jesus. Kevin, put that up there. Um, They say, teacher, which is the most important commandments in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, right? That first, that's our place, relationship with the Lord. And then the second part, he says, but a second is equally important. And that's love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And then if you look at Matthew 28, 19 through 20, a little bit later, Jesus is telling the disciples, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So as Christians, we think, all right, here's these commands." Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. How's the most practical way to love my neighbor fully? Share the gospel, teach them about who I am. But when do these go beyond commands and become our purpose? How does it make that transition from this is what God says to do, he is God and I will obey him and that's why I'm gonna do it, to it, this is my purpose. It's not just something I should do, but it's something I have to do. When does it go from, I read it on the page, to Lorette's, this is who I am, this is how I have to be. The reason our heart beats, the reason our lungs fill with air, how does knowing our place with all the passions that God has created us with and empowered us with set us up to fulfill Our purpose. How does this become more than just a command? I wrote just a few tiny little things out. Obedient trying. Obedient trying. It doesn't always feel like this welling up of emotion and feeling, this is my purpose. This is who I am, right? But it means I know that this is who God is and this is who he says I am in him. And this is what his heart is for people. And sometimes we even have to say, God, would you make this my heart? Would you make, we see David pray all through the Psalms, right? Lord, would you will, I will my heart to love like you love. Would you make me love like you love? Would you give me this passion, this purpose, obedient trying. Um, Something that we do with the youth is called Fine Arts, and their slogan is discover, develop, and deploy your ministry giftings. And I thought, man, isn't that the same for us? We're discovering our place. We're discovering what God says our purpose should be. And then we've got to develop that. We have to obediently try. We have to be obediently being intentional with somebody down the row. Or saying, yeah, I've been given this voice, so I'm going to sing. Or I know how to scrub a toilet. I'm going to do it for Jesus, right? Or or I have this passion for people. Let me love them. Let me try talking to women and see what God's going to do through that. Um, obedient trying. And then The the third thing is deploy, right? So I'm going to discover it. I'm going to develop it. And then I'm going to continue to be obedient and walk in those things that I, yeah, this is what God has said is my purpose. Maybe a few of these things are are passions, but that's not my main purpose. My purpose is this. This is how I'm going to walk out this great commission. This is how I'm going to walk out these greatest commandments. This is my purpose And Lorette said maybe it's not always beautiful or not always fun, right? And I just wanted to give a little shout-out to the media team, specifically the production tech, right? It's Kevin today on that computer. Every single Sunday, the rest of us, we get to sing and completely focus on the words and uh, focus on the Lord during our time of singing together, right? Isn't that beautiful that we get to do that? We don't have to worry about anything. We're just spending time with the Lord. We're praying with each other. But that production tech, they have to be constantly um, focused on what are the next lyrics? Where's the song gonna go next? What's the next slide Pastor Ted's gonna say? Where's the scripture go next? Um, their job is not technically like difficult. Most people could do it when they're trained, but it is in, it's a high demand job. And I would say it is not your number one choice on a Sunday morning to be scheduled as the production tech. But you know, if you're on that team, I can see some of you, that this is an important thing because this is your, your place in the body for that day and you are, are walking obediently so that the rest of the body can experience this time with the Lord that they don't have to be so worried about those other things. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there as just an example. By the way, we need more people back there if you want to serve in that way. Um, sometimes walking obediently is not going to be the most ex- exciting, thrilling. This is my passion, this is my purpose. But it, God smiles on that. And we see the, the body grow and the body, um, yeah, walk in more um, beauty together when we walk in that obedience.
2: So purpose. Again, I would say, you say, uh, why is that your purpose? And I would repeat again. Because I want to see people find victory in their life. I want to see people find healing in their life. I want to see people find the power of God in their life. And if I get to be a small part of it, what a blessing and a joy that is. And how great it is to see. Um, And it's not, you know, there's people in this church that struggle with that. But as I said before, there's a lot of people out there. I want to see that in their lives also. Um, I mentioned, I'm just going to tell you a, a quick story. Um, I mentioned before, I felt like my purpose was different before when Ken was here all the time. Um, but what happened, when he decided he was going to travel more, um, I said, okay, this is the way it's going to be. And I felt like a lot of my purpose was not going to be in effect anymore. I still could do things, but I didn't realize God was setting me up for a different purpose. And um, there was a particular uh, friend of ours that um, was really hurting and spending a lot of lot of time just trying to work through a muddle of of hurt and grief and pain in her life and I started spending a lot more time with her and as I did I really got to know her and I would have never been able to do that if Ken had been there not that he would say you can't spend time with her but it's just your time your freedom that you would have right and I had a lot more freedom to do that and spent a lot more time with her. And then there came a point where she decided to make a decision, and it wasn't anti-biblical what she was deciding, but it just wasn't a wise decision, right? And as her friend, I shared that with her, and she wasn't very happy with me, and there was a break in our friendship. And during that time when there was a break in our friendship, I was really praying And I said, God, you know, I was not happy that Ken was traveling so much. And I said, God, you know, this is just not right. We were doing things very well. And, you know, and all of a sudden he's not there. And then I tried to really reach out to this woman. And it's not going very well. And I heard as clearly as you can hear me. I heard the Lord speak to me and say, this is my calling for you. This is what I'm calling you to do. And I knew that that was truth. He wasn't saying, be comfortable in what you did before. I'm calling you to do something else. And maybe not jumping or swimming into it, but I did move into it. And I can see, as I look back over the last eight years that Ken has been gone a lot, I can see what God has really done in my life and how he has changed me and made me into who he wants me to be. So sometimes it's scary. Sometimes you're like, oh, that's not what I want to do. And sometimes it hurts, you know, when you try it and the person that you're, you're with hurts you that does hurt but you know what I do know that that's what God has called me to do that has has been my purpose and I certainly have full support from Ken which I'm grateful for you know it's not a division in our lives I'm very grateful for that but I know that um, that is my heart I just want to see women really healed come to know the Lord fully and fully serve him
0: Corinne, do you have a final thought? Or Lorette, do you have a final thought? I heard you say, Lorette, that sometimes God's will is not necessarily easy sometimes. But God's will is always best. I like to use the expression that I shouldn't be afraid of God's will. I should be afraid of my will. My will got me into a whole bunch of trouble and a whole bunch of foolishness. But God's will will always lead me to life. So sometimes God's will... The fulfillment of it may be difficult but it's always wisest and it's best. That's what I heard you say. Uh, Final thoughts. Corinne, I heard you talk a little bit about deploying or developing. The word developing. Think about that for a second. Let me just mention this thought. Uh, What I did for Christmas, this is kind of an unusual thing. Uh, I've always had this passion of reaching uh, lost people. And what I did the day before Christmas Eve, I went around to ten of our neighbors. But I specifically talked to each one of our neighbors and I asked them to come to my house at a certain time. And so when I went to the first neighbor, I said, Oh, I'd like you to write a card because we want to honor the neighbor next to you, whose their names is the Mies, is their daughter. Is battling. Uh, she's had a mastectomy, and she's still batting a lot of uh, chemotherapy. And the family was real discouraged. I went to the Mises, and I said to the Mises, "We really want to honor uh, the the Martins because they've just had a baby, and they're new in the area." And I went to the Martins, and I said, "Hey, we want to honor uh, the Tiganellis because she's just lost her husband." And I said to the Tiganellis, "We really want to honor John and his wife." So I went to all the other nine other families or ten other families, nine of them came. One did not come. But everybody that came, they thought they were coming to celebrate somebody else. But when they came to the house, they didn't know that somebody was going to be celebrating them. So it turned out to be just a wonderful, wonderful time. And one of the ladies, one of the ladies, so sweet. Her husband used to be the director. She came also. She's my neighbor. That's Grace Shake. She's back there. And Grace, she wrote cards to everybody. <laughs> and, uh, but she expressed her love to different people. So everybody came thinking it was about somebody else. But it was really about them. But it was just a way of what can we do to get people. I just want to just share Grace's husband, who used to be the director at Teen Challenge, and a great, 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 wonderful man of God. John John, and his wife, Kai, as far as I know, they're really not believers. And some of the other families, they're kind of nominal believers. They kind of know about the Lord, but how much they really in, they know about the Lord, I don't know. But at least I know that John and his wife, they're, they're not there. And uh, I shared about... Grace's husband, and how that he was struggling after he's Canadian. He had been gone one year to Center Bible School in Springfield, Missouri, but he was having uh, questions whether he should go ahead and be a preacher. He went back to Canada. And he was working on these high, these high I don't know what word, uh, these high, is it tension? Uh, the, the electrical lines that have about 66,000 volts. He was working on one of them uh, platforms on there. And the message had already been sent to them. They had turned off the power, the station before, so that there would be no power to where he was at. But there was a miscommunication. And as he went up to touch the wire, I'm not exactly sure what happened. It could have been some arc or something. But it knocked him down, and everybody thought that Reg had died. They took Reg to the hospital. They thought he was dead. I'm not exactly sure the whole circumstances. He was uh, revived or resuscitated, or he was brought back to normal. And he decided, God, I hear what you're saying. If you want me to be a preacher, I'm going to be a preacher. But what I shared, when I shared that, John and his wife, Kai, they were able to hear a testimony that God still works in lives today. And so I just share that, Corinne, about deployment, you know, that sometimes you got to work at your gift so that God can be glorified. Do you have a final thought, then Corinne? And Loretta, do you have a final thought?
1: I think that the, the most important things of this morning are, do you know who Jesus is and who he says that you are? Do you know more than just that it's written on a paper that you know it? Do you know it? Does it affect the way that you live your life? Because if you know who God says that you are, you're going to reach out. That's just, it's just what, what happens. Um, and we can get caught up in, in so many different things in life, but um, let's get back to that place of knowing who God is. And who he says that we are. And who he's calling us to be. And um, and those, those things will no longer just be commands in a book. Um, written by a God who we respect. But they will be, this is my purpose. And I'm going to walk it out in this way. And I, I have this relationship with the Lord where he speaks to me and I listen and I obey. And um, maybe it's not... Um, it's not flashy, and it's not exciting, and it doesn't feel all feelingsy all the time. But this is who God says that I am, and this is what he's called me to do. And this is not only what he's called me to do, but he's empowered me to do. And um, maybe it will take trying some different things out that he's given you passions for. And maybe, like Lorette said, your purpose will change in different seasons or the way that you carry out that purpose. But let's get back to who does God say that you are? What is your place and what is your purpose?
0: Before you go, Lorette, is there a possibility that we can um, be in the church and still be not free and not really understanding our identity? And you're saying yes because yeah,
1: I think definitely. I think we a lot of times we listen to um, se- our own self negative talk. We listen to um, maybe the voice of the enemy that gives us these different um, other messages or these different um, things. You're you're not good enough. You're not whatever. Nobody invites you over. All of these different things that we then rattle around in our brains and we. We make them bigger than what the voice of God says, and I think we then um, react to those voices much more easily than we really listen to the voice of the Lord, and we give our own voice a pretty big pedestal in our lives.
0: When we should give it to the Lord.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: I was just thinking, Lorette, finish it up here for us. I was just thinking, Corinne, as you were saying, Lot's wife was out of Sodom, but Sodom was not out of Lot's wife. And so, even though she was free from what was going to occur in Sodom, she was not free from what was occurring in herself because she was looking back. And too many times, I think what happens in churches, we look back and this is what I used to be or this is the way it was, et cetera. And we can't allow our past to dictate our identity in Christ. If God says that I'm this, if God says it, then I am. And I need to stand in what God says that I am so that I can be free. The apostle Paul said it this way, forgetting those things that are behind, I've got to let go of them things and I've got to press on to something that's more wonderful and more beautiful ahead. Lorette, can you close us, give us final thoughts, Lorette. just from your heart, just things that you've heard said that maybe you sense the Holy Spirit wants us to hear?
2: Well, I'll just close with this. Um, I like this theme, One Big Family. I liked the theme Each One Reach One because I think that's part of who we are. We need to be reaching out to other people and sharing our faith with them. But we need to be one big family. You know, God's called us to do that. And I see, you know, I believe that as the days go on, things are probably not gonna be easier for Christians. I think we'll probably run into harder times. But I believe that my family would be here to support me. And I'm here to support you. So let's not just be, oh, that's somebody I go to church with. Oh, Rodney, that's somebody I go to church with. No, do you know this about Rodney? He loves God. Are Jake and Desiree, what do you know about them? Do you know what I mean? Let's come together as a family to really know, love, and support each other.
0: Okay, Corinne, would you like to close this in? I just sense maybe just to defer this morning.
1: All right, well, in the spirit of one big family, I think we should all stand up today. <laughs> all right, just stretch it out a little bit. Um, but would you uh, grab a hand of somebody near you, put your arm around somebody? If it's just two of you in a row, scoot over, find the next two. Don't stand in a row by yourself. Connect with somebody. Connect with somebody more than just your spouse and your kids. Make a move. One big family. One big family. I'm not always the best at this part. Sometimes it means being vulnerable, right, letting other people in. And sometimes for you it may be being the one that makes the move across the aisle. Um, But let's do that together this year. Would this be a year that's different for this church? Jesus, we are so thankful that you have made a way for us to have a relationship with the Father. And God, we're so so beyond um, amazed that you call us your own and that, uh, man, Lord, that you have filled us with your place and your purpose. It's not just something we just throw around, but God, you, since the beginning of time, before the beginning of time, you had a plan, and, uh, and that was to give us place and purpose in you, God, in your will, and so, Lord, we just pray together, would you, um, would you make this a healthy family? Would you make this a place that we're proud to invite our friends to? Um, God, that this would be a place that we know we're your people, that we are filled with you and we're filled with love for one another. And um, God, I just pray that you would continue to open up our eyes and open our hearts that you would speak your truth and that we would listen. As we discover together, we encourage each other um, to find our place and our purpose. Lord, would you be honored in this place? Would you be magnified in this place as we relate to each other and invite others into your family, God? We love you so much. Would you teach us to love you more and to love others more? Amen.